Welcome back to another edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. We're finally doing it. We're going to the Big Ten. Uh, it, it had been, you know, too long until we had done it. So uh, here we go. Riley DeMare, he left the five-star review, said, do the Big Ten already. He sounded impatient. So uh, the people have been wanting it. Uh, and now, Sean, we, we're going to dive into the Big Ten. Yeah, uh, yeah, I honestly thought we already did the Big Ten, so this is all news to me. But, uh, you know, the Big Ten's gonna end up being the best conference in college basketball once again. They disappointed in the NCAA tournament last year. Only one team got past the first weekend, and that was Michigan. And then they ended up falling to UCLA in the Elite Eight, which everybody fell to UCLA. So it makes sense that that ended up happening. But that was a close game. Mike Smith misses a late three. Franz Wagner misses two late threes and ended up being like a 52-51 final, so quite quite the game there. Hold the horses here. You think the Big Ten is going to be better than the Pac-12? I hate to say it, but, you know, the, we just the saw this in the NCAA tournament. I mean, Oregon State might go back to the almost Final Four. You never know, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the Pac-12, you've got the SEC. Might actually. The, the Big Ten's the best conference. I'm I'm going I'm going I'm going to go with the Pac-12 here. I, don't know. I know you're it's kidding. It's going to be close. I think it'll be like the Big Ten, SEC, and Big Twelve. I think we'll be like all there, and then I think the Pac-12 will be better than the ACC. Not so hot take. The ACC is not looking stellar. Have we have we we haven't previewed the ACC, have we? We have not. So. Okay, well we have to do that soon. We'll save, we'll slander the ACC a bit. Yeah, save the save the wars for last. <laughs> the swack goes before the ACC. The swack. I mean, we we've done the WCC and Missouri Valley, which are probably both better than the ACC. So, and yeah, we'll, someone asked me the other day, like, who's the top five teams in the ACC? And I looked at him like, there's only like four good teams in this conference. Like, we're talking, like, maybe a five, six bid league, but out of teams that are going to make it deep in the tournament, I see, like, two that are going to win more than one game, and that's Duke and Florida State. But we can cross that bridge another day. Yeah. I, I was looking at Virginia. I If Tony Bennett wasn't the coach of that team, I don't know if I would even consider them a tournament-level team. Still can't shoot. I mean, that, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, one team that can shoot, it is the Purdue Boilermakers consensus number one team. We're, we're both buying into the Jaden Ivey hype, uh, as you will hear later in the show. Travion Williams, uh, he, he's dominant inside, uh, was especially good, you know, just dominating inside, just throw the ball to him. Uh, they have good pieces around him. Eric Hunter Jr. is a good uh, guard. Uh, Sasha Stefanovic can knock down shots. Uh, Zach Eady is uh, very hyped for a six-man uh, who will probably only play 15 minutes a game, but he's 7-4, so what, what's not to get excited about w- with this team? Mason Gillis is a good role player. So, I mean, this Purdue team has it all, uh, and they should be exciting. Yeah, I mean, Ivy is a really good player, and there's a reason why he's the number one breakout candidate in college basketball, because his raw ability is so obvious when you watch him play. I mean, his burst, he's really quick. 
He can get by just about anybody. He's a very solid defender, and I think he's going to continue improving in that aspect. I mean, he never gives up on a play. He's a great help defender also. His shooting really struggled last year, but he can make step-back threes. He can make all kinds of different threes. His shot selection from outside is really the key for him. He shot only 25.8% from deep and wasn't very good in the U19 shooting-wise either. But his explosiveness, and I think his shooting is going to gradually improve, even if it's only 31-32%. This is the kind of guy that can average 16, 17, 18 points per game with really good defense and form into a lottery pick. And then you have Travion Williams, who's also probably going to be an All-American, was one of the more underrated players in college basketball last year. Well, the thing about Williams that I've talked about a ton is his passing ability. When he's doubled, he doesn't panic. He always ends up finding the open guy, and it leads to a three more often than not. And then Zach Eady, like you said, seven foot four. He's just a mismatch because of how big he is, and he's skilled inside. I mean, he's not just big. Like, he knows, he knows what he's doing. Uh, but he's going to continue improving. He is really good for Canada in the FIBA U19. And then Caleb First coming in as a freshman, he also played in the U19 for the USA. He's going to be a nice piece off, uh, probably starting, honestly. Maybe Mason Gillis ends up starting, but that'll be a nice little duo there with Caleb First and Mason Gillis. But there's a lot of pieces on this team. And one thing about Purdue that you can't say about many power conference teams in the country is that they didn't add anybody from the transfer portal. The only player that they lose that played any minutes last year was Aaron Wheeler transferred to St. John's. And Aaron Wheeler, you know, at this point, he just didn't develop the way many thought he would, including myself after his freshman season. His offensive game just kind of stagnated after that, and he didn't become the player many thought he would. But Purdue, you know, the continuity there is very high because they have everybody back besides Wheeler, and that's part of why I think they're going to be in the Final Four this year. Yeah, three and D players who can't make threes on a consistent basis tend to not be uh, that valuable. So Aaron Wheeler, uh, we'll see if he can make threes at St. John's because he he didn't make enough at Purdue. But, I mean, with this rotation, you have, I think, a perfect nine-man rotation. You you obviously have Jane Ivey who will – whether he runs the point, I think he probably plays a little bit off the ball as well. Uh, next to Eric Hunter Jr., but I think they'll they'll kind of you know both be point, pseudo point guards. But you know you have Jay Ivey who's just going to be I think a big time bucket getter. Uh, we saw late in the season especially, and you know just kind of throughout the season he got better uh, throughout the season. Had a couple you know bad games early in the season, but once he got going, once you saw that kind of like their their phrase is. You know, once the player has the light bulb go on in their uh, or brain, they start to play a lot better. When the light bulb went out, I think it was the Ohio State game where he hit mm-hmm. the uh, big time three to win that game. I mean, he started playing better. The numbers went off, and uh, you know, he was certainly great throughout the season. Uh, you know, despite them losing to North Texas, which is obviously a tough way to go out. He had 26 in that game, and I think that's something you build a lot of confidence in. Uh, he had doubled, scored in double figures in uh, the last seven games, and the ninth to last game of the season, and 20 as well. So, I mean, he was scoring it at a high level, and then you obviously have Travion Williams, who I think is pretty automatic. Like, you just throw the ball into him on the post. I think he shot like 60% uh, looking at these uh, stat totals, you know, but he was someone 
you know, I, I remember specifically the Michigan State game last season. Mm-hmm. They he just took over that game. They just they had nothing running, and Trayvon Williams was like, "Screw it, I'm taking over. I'm going to score a two point or two points on every possession." The other thing about Trayvon Williams, he's not a you know complete liability at the free throw line. I know he shot fifty percent, but that he seems to have developed a little bit from. Uh, earlier in his career when he seemed to be a worse free throw shooter. You add that, you know, I think good wings around him. Stefanovic can shoot the ball. Uh, Eric Hunter Jr., not as elite as Stefanovic shooting the ball, but, hey, you don't need that. You also have Brand Newman who can shoot the ball. Uh, Mason Gillis, not an elite shooter. Uh, you know, we'll see what we they get out of Caleb first. Uh, but, you know, overall, and – you know, with the depth on this lineup, I really like this Purdue team to have a successful season. Yeah, and a lot of people are like, uh, I've had this question all out there, like, why do you like Jaden Ivey so much? His stats weren't very good. I mean, yeah, his stats aren't great, but he was also a freshman that didn't have any offseason team workouts because of COVID and a bunch of COVID pauses during the season, and he had a very good season. And sometimes I, I'm a big stats guy. Uh, I like to look at stats, and I also like to watch a lot of games and go back and watch film. And when you watch Jaden Ivey, whether it's live or you go back and watch the tape, and I've watched a ton because he's just a fun player to watch, you're like, okay, this kid has it. I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. He's going to develop into a really good player. And there there's just some things that stats won't always say. Uh, you know, stats can be kind of misleading at times. When you see the raw talent that Jaden Ivey has, you know he's going to develop into a superstar. Yeah, I think the thing about Ivey is he has, like, a lot of the intangibles you would look for. Like, he, when you watch him, he looks like he's playing hard. He's, you know, he when, you know, the moment is big and he needs to step up, he steps up to it. And he looks like, you know, from all indications – you know, I'm not there at the Purdue practices every day, but it sounds like he's a hard worker. Same. So, I mean, there's, there, there's just intangibles you hear about these different players, uh, and Jaden Ivey is certainly one of them. Uh, I think just a dynamic player that, you know, and we saw it in the U19 games. I know they gave Chet Holmgren the uh, player of the tournament. Jaden Ivey was the best player on Team USA. No disrespect. Well, well hold on. Well, maybe maybe it wasn't Chet Holmgren or Jane Ivey. It wasn't. It was not. It was in either of them. No, incorrect. Okay. Who was it? You tell be, me. Best high Jane Ivey, best high major player. Okay, okay. But who was the best? Though? I want to hear you say it. Oh, it, it's the it's the big boy, Kenneth Lofton. Kenneth Lofton Jr. Baby, yeah. let's go. He is so fun to watch. Louisiana Tech going dancing this year. Transfer to Purdue. Come on. No, no, he needs to stay at Louisiana Tech. You kidding me? No, we we want to see Purdue win it all. Eh, I mean, Purdue's fine. They can win it all. They don't need him. I want to see Louisiana Tech go dancing, and I want to see them win a couple games. Fine. Jane Ivey transfer to Louisiana Tech, lead Louisiana Tech to a title. Okay, okay. Well, I would be down with that. Okay. I don't think you, – but you can't – you cannot currently transfer and be eligible this season, so – not really sure what good that's going to do. Jaden Ivey's going to be playing for the Sacramento Kings in a year, so uh, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, the, the Kings, they, they don't know how to tank properly, so they're just going to... I mean, it. they don't make the... They're like, like, they don't know how to make the playoffs, and they also don't know how to get the first pick. So, yeah. yeah. They're, they're either going to be the... They're going to be between picks 
five and fourteen. Mm-hmm. Like they'll be in the lottery, but they're not getting Kate Cunningham. And yeah. I love Davion Mitchell, but Kate Cunningham is just a lot better. Yeah, but you know, Davion Mitchell, it's gonna make a bunch of off nights. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! You remember? I'm looking at Purdue's Ken Palm page right now, and I remember that Miami Purdue game from December fifty eighth. 54, that might be, like, the worst high major game. That was a bad game. Bad game. Jaden Ivey did not play, so maybe that tells you everything you need to know. There there you go. The team shot a combined 5 for, uh, hold on, I'm not great at math here, 5 for 42 from 3. 17 that is not good. plus 25. Yeah, 5 for 42. Yeah, I think, yep, that's correct math. Yeah, I'm a math major. I got my math degree from Harvard. So, there you go. Yeah, uh can't get any worse than that game. No, no. Purdue, I mean they the one thing is they had a young team a season ago and now all these players they're going to be sophomores. Uh they're going to be I mean Trey Bowden Williams, they're kind of junior, I guess are going to be seniors, but a lot of this Stefanovich. Yeah, Stefanovich. Uh, but, you know, you look at this team, Ivy's a sophomore. Brand Newman, now a sophomore. Zach Eady, now a sophomore. Mason Gillis, now a sophomore. Isaiah Thompson, of course, now a junior. Uh, Caleb first, a uh, freshman. But, I mean, that's a solid nine-man rotation that they have. And uh, Purdue, I think we'll, it'll be a close race between them, Michigan. I think Illinois will be kind of close late in the season. But I think Purdue mm-hmm. ultimately holds on. Yeah, and that leads us into our next team, Michigan. There we go. Uh, so Michigan, defending regular season despite having the uh, less wins uh, than the Illinois fighting Illini. I guess yeah. technically they win the Big Ten regular season conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Illinois won the conference tournament. Uh, so th- there's that, but you know, Michigan, they, they bring back Eli Brooks for a fifth-year season. Hunter Dickinson decided ultimately to return. Uh, they bring in two very talented freshmen, Caleb Hustain uh, and Musa Diabite, uh, get in Kobe Bufkin, Frankie Collins, who are probably uh, two-, three-, four-year type players. They bring in Devontae Jones from Coastal Carolina. Brandon Johns is back. So Michigan, a... Another loaded roster, and we'll we'll see what uh, Jawan Howard's able to do uh, this season. Yeah, Michigan had a great season last year. I know Michigan fans and I, we had some uh, disagreements, to to put it lightly. I guess a lot of them didn't like me last year because I said Illinois was better. I, I'm cool with Michigan fans now. They're a top-five team for me in the preseason. I like this team a lot. And, look, they lose a lot, and I think they somehow got better. You lose Mike Smith. You lose Shondi Brown. You lose Isaiah Livers. You lose Franz Wagner. So you're losing a lot of pieces. But I love the players they brought back with Dickinson and uh, Eli Brooks. Uh, Brandon Johns is a solid player. Terrence Williams has a lot of defensive potential, maybe a developing offensive skill set also. And Devontae Jones, this is a really good player, one of the top mid-major players in the country last year, won the Sunbelt Player of the Year. And nearly, I mean, Coastal Carolina is really good last year. The way the Sunbelt seeded things was weird. I think they technically were second in the uh, regular season. I think Texas State technically won, but 
the way they seeded things was very odd. So I'm, I'm not even positive, but I'm pretty sure Texas State ended up technically winning it. But Jones had 18 points per game, seven rebounds a game, a couple assists per game. His assist numbers dipped a little bit because he took more of a scoring role last season. He improved his shooting. He's a really good defender. He's only six, two and a half or so, but he has like a six, 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 seven wingspan. Got an invite to the NBA G League, uh, combine, but ended up coming to Michigan after all. He's going to be a very good player. I think he's more talented than, than Mike Smith. I think they could have similar numbers, but Devonde Jones will bring a lot to the table, especially on the defensive end. And they have one of the best defensive backcourts in the entire conference with Devonte Jones and Eli Brooks. So that should be very good. Hunter Dickinson, how does he develop? Is he able to use his right hand this year, not just be left hand only? Can he develop that part of his game, become even tougher to stop? I saw him shooting threes in some of the workout videos he posted. How's that three pointer coming along? Because if he's a seven foot one, uh, super strong guy that can use both hands inside and he can shoot the ball, he's going to be impossible to stop and will be a surefire first team All American National Player of the Year candidate. And Caleb Houston steps into Isaiah Livers role perfectly at the three, six nine, and can absolutely shoot the ball lights out from deep. He's going to be one of the best freshmen, more, most impactful freshmen in the country this season. Love Caleb Houston's game. And Michigan's going to be a really good team once again. I mean, the the one question I do have is how do they divvy up minutes between Zeb Jackson, Frankie Collins, and Kobe Bufkin? I would pro- it's going to be like 25 minutes between the three of them. So I'm curious to see how that ends up going. But this team is loaded, and that's a good problem to have when you're trying to figure out who's going to have what minutes because that just shows that you're really good. Yeah, absolutely. And Omni Hunter Dickinson can shoot. I'm not buying it. We've seen these workout videos. Uh, ben Simmons can hit threes in workout videos. Uh, I don't know so, if he can. I mean, Ben Simmons. In, in these workout videos. I mean, we don't know how many takes Hunter Dickinson is using to make. Okay, you know what? You know what? Over, minutes. under, 15 made threes for Hunter Dickinson. Uh, under. Give me over. Give under. Me over. Give me the over. I'll, I'll go hard under. I I'll go under on five and a half. Five and a half? You're saying under? Under. He can hit six full court shots with no time left on the clock. You kidding me? That's unlikely. It's possible. It's possible. I'm taking, but... I'm taking the over all day. Over five and a half. I'm taking over, over 15. Over 15. Okay. I'm taking under. Okay. I think well, he'll, we'll hit, revisit he'll this. hit like two. We'll revisit this. And they'll they'll both be in garbage time as well. Yeah, we'll revisit this. Okay. That's all I got to say. Uh, but, you know, Hunter Dickinson, very good player. Doesn't need to shoot threes. Uh, he's seven feet one. Just work on being able to use that right hand a little bit more. Work on your post moves. Uh, work on uh, – it's kind of hard to work on lateral quickness, but if you can, work on that. I think if – those are the things he focused on this offseason. Not only can he be an NBA player next season, but he can be, I mean, he, he probably will already be an All-American. He could be like a Big Ten player of the year type player. And then, you know, just for this Michigan team, I think the you have what you like in Eli Brooks, who uh, can run the point, can play off the ball. I think he'll probably play off the ball with Devontae Jones playing more on the ball. but. I mean, that's a good combination, kind of similar thing to the Mike Smith-Eli Brooks combination. You have Cable Hustain, who can, you know, as a sniper from deep, uh, kind of, you know, I think a more 
NBA body, you know, NBA level wing uh, than what Isaiah Livers is, but still like that type of player, probably, you know, a combination of maybe Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner a little bit. Uh, just I, I think between the athleticism and uh, shooting ability, but, you know, Caleb Houston's going to be good. And then, obviously, Brandon Johns, I think, probably starts the season mm-hmm. at the four. Uh, yeah, I think he will. Diabite, Diabite is going to be interesting to see where he gets his minutes, whether it's next to Dickinson, whether it's next to Brandon Johns, whether they go super small and have, like, Kobe Bufkin or Terrence Williams uh, playing minutes. I think there's a lot for Jawan Howard He's going to, I think in these early season games, he's going to have his work cut out for him, finding the rotations that kind of work next, you know, because I think Brooks, Houston, uh, Dickinson, and Jones, they're all going to play, you know, starters minutes. It's going to be about finding which kind of matchups work out best uh, for which players. And uh, I think Jawan Howard, We've seen two years of Jawan Howard, and he's been a fantastic coach. So I, I trust Jawan Howard to kind of make this team good. I think they're going to be right there with Purdue near the top of the Big Ten uh, and have a chance to win a national championship. Yeah, no question. Uh, next up, Illinois. Big news is the big man, Kofi Coburn, has announced that he's going to return uh, I mean, he, he has a chance to average like 20 points, 10 rebounds per game. Andre Curbelo is coming back for another season. Trent Frazier, that's a dynamic big three. They have Devontae Williams, who's a great glue guy. Jacob Granderson. Uh, Alfonso Plummer coming in from Utah, add some shooting. Omar Payne, uh, add some size. So, uh, overall, I, I think the, you know, this is a very good Illinois team, uh, that, should also contend for Big Ten title. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is a very good Illinois team. Obviously, you lose Io DeSumo, you lose Adam Miller, but Andre Curbelo slides into that role there to be the go-to guard, and I think he's going to do a very good job. Great playmaker, makes some of the flashiest plays in college basketball, really quick drive into the basket. But the one thing about him is that he's not really a shooter yet. Maybe that comes eventually. Maybe it doesn't. I don't think he needs to be a shooter, but it definitely helps uh, put his game to the next level if he's able to knock down threes at a consistent level. But the pick-and-roll duo between him and Kofi Coburn, you can just uh, put Coburn on a pick-and-roll, and he's going to drive to the basket and throw a lob up, and he's stronger than everybody else he's going to play against. And so Kofi can just throw that down. He's tough to stop inside. His free throws were a bit weird last year. He was pretty solid from the line as a freshman and really struggled last year. It almost seemed like at times late in games he would get tired and shorten up his free throw stroke a little bit, and it just didn't look the same as it did early in games. Maybe that's just me thinking too much into it, but that looked like a thing that I watched a lot last year. But Kofi Coburn is one of the best players in college basketball. Outside of Drew Timmy, might be the best player in college basketball. So I'm very curious to see what he ends up doing this year because he was awesome uh, last year. Just his one issue is obviously defending in space. He can rim protect, but he's not very agile uh, laterally, so that that's a big issue for him. You saw that in the Loyola Chicago game, they were able to drive past him several times, uh, put guards on a back cut, and Cam Crutwig was able to just find guys, and he couldn't get there to stop them. But there is a lot on this Illinois team, and you mentioned Alfonso Plummer. This is a guy I like a lot. He was awesome at Utah, 
tied uh, Clay Thompson's record for 11 made threes. I think that was like the most in a Pac-12 game. He tied that record in the Pac-12 tournament the day before COVID canceled the 2019-2020 season against Oregon State. He dropped 35 with those 11 threes. He was very good last year, 14 a game. And the thing about him is that he's always moving. That's that's something you got to do if you're a shooter. I mean, just standing there is not going to get you open. He's always trying to find his way open, and defenders always have to stay attached to him because if he gets any kind of space, he's taking that three, and he's going to drill it. So you have to always pay attention to where Alfonso Plummer is on the floor because he is a dangerous shooter. And then Austin Hutcherson, a D3 to D1 transfer similar to uh, Duncan Robinson at Michigan a number of years ago, and now he's making $80 million in the NBA. Hutcherson, good size, can shoot the ball, and he's really athletic, but he dealt with a lot of back issues last year, and that sidelined him the entire season. So I'm curious to see if he's finally able to get healthy, because if he is, he could wind up being the difference maker for this Illinois team, and then Omar Payne should be a really good rim protector behind Kofi Coburn if he gets in some foul trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the the team overall has... Uh, a really good collective build. Uh, I think Corbello's going to take a step forward this year, uh, be kind of the lead initiator for the team. Uh, just kind of, I, I think the key is for him to be on. We we saw at times like he, he was, you know, in that Loyola Chicago game, he was turning over the ball and just didn't have it. And then the like the Michigan game, he was like so energetic, just playing out of his mind and, uh, really having fun. So uh, if that's the Andre Corbello that we see all year, I mean, Illinois is going to have a lot of success. I think Trent Frazier, uh, him going back to being like, he's kind of been the past couple seasons had to be like the number two, number three option uh, behind Iota Sumo. And now he's freed up once again, kind of like he was as a freshman, uh, which clears him. You know, we saw it, Going back to the Michigan game uh, late in the season, he had a fantastic game scoring the basketball. It was really him that played a big role in that game. Uh, so I, I think Frazier's going to take a big step up uh, scoring the ball. Uh, Coburn is going to do what he's going to do. He's going to dominate inside. And then you have Andre Curbelo who's just going to set up everything. Uh, that's a really dynamic big three. And then you have Devontae Williams, who uh, I think is just kind of a Overall, good glue guy, can defend, uh, can knock down shots. Shot 54% from three a season ago. Uh, I don't think he'll shoot 54% from three this season, but, I mean, if he does, I mean, watch out for them. You have Grandison who can knock it down from three. Uh, you know, Austin Hudson can do the same. So I think the floor spacing's there. Uh, Alfonso Plummer as well. The floor spacing's there. The... You know, offensive creation is there. Uh, I do worry if, you know, there's a injury here or there, but, uh, most of, most teams in the country, if you lose one of your best players, you're going to struggle. So, uh, if everyone maintains health, I mean, Illinois is going to be very good once again. Yeah, and you do have a good trio of freshmen coming in with Braden Podzemski, uh, RJ Melendez, and Luke Good. Two of the three good and Podzemski are both really good shooters. So if I could see them both playing a role at some point this season. Maybe Melendez finds a role too. But those are three players of the future down there in Champaign for sure. But right now they have a lot of experience and a lot of really good players too. Potential All-Americans with Corbello and Coburn and DeMonte Williams. He's an interesting player because he plays a lot of the four, and he's 6'3", but he's super strong, 
and has a big wingspan, so he plays a lot bigger than six foot three. He can defend those fours very well and can defend all three positions on the perimeter. He's a real defensive X factor for Illinois. Absolutely. Um, should we get into Ohio State now? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, Oral Roberts, they beat him last year. There we go. So, I mean, Oral Roberts, they were one of the 16 best teams in the country, so uh, losing to them, no shame at all. Uh, so, Oral Roberts beating them, I mean, nothing nothing outlandish there. Uh, just, yo, know, it was predicted by Sean. No, uh, nobody saw that coming. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Who who saw that coming on, like, March 2nd, before the tournament even was there? Yeah, I mean, I, I the thing about it, like, I've said this a ton of times, but I've had people be like, man, how'd you know they're going to play Ohio State? I didn't. I just said, if they play Ohio State, they'll beat them, because they're the only two-seed Oral Roberts would have beaten. That's why I said that. I don't, like, I feel, I feel like that makes it sound less good, but that's the truth. If they played Houston, they would have lost by 30. I think we were kind of discussing them dating back on the podcast about, like, where they would be seated. I think I said probably – You said it's 16. I think I said, like, 15 or 16. And then you were like, if they get Ohio State, who, like, was at the time just, like, going to be a two-seed. If they play Ohio State, they'll be – they'll win that game. Yeah, I mean, and they weren't they beating Iowa because they would have had zero answer for Luca Garza. And was Iowa a three seed? No, they were a two seed. Yeah, yeah they were right. a two seed. They, they were... played Oregon in the second round. Uh, and then Houston, they just would have they would have rebounded every single offensive miss, which would have become a real issue for Oral Roberts. And then the other force, the other two seed was Alabama. Uh, they weren't beating Alabama. So that's, Ohio State was the only one they were going to beat. Yeah, and they beat them. So. Um, did. Going into into this season, uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. is gone to the NBA. EJ Liddell is now, I mean, he's the you know likely All American preseason candidate for this team, but uh, kind of a deep deep front court uh, certainly with that. Uh, they bring back Liddell. They have Justice Suing, uh, Kyle Young, all. Uh, starters last year's team. They add in Jamari Wheeler out of Penn State to run the point. Uh, they have Cedric Russell, who adds a little bit of shooting. They have Zed Key, Seth Towns, uh, Joey the Bronc Trunk uh, coming off the bench. Uh, so, I mean, the front court depth is, I mean, over, yeah, probably too much front court depth. Uh, they have Malachi Branham, who's can be. Uh, interesting to watch Michi Johnson Jr. Interesting to see how those two players develop. Uh, Justin Arns can uh, certainly shoot it for this team, but uh, I think the the main concern is kind of with guard play. Can Brennan be uh, the elite, you know, freshman guard, or does he struggle a little bit? Uh, Jamari Wheeler's kind of limited in what he can do, and Cedric Russell uh, was good as a previous stop. I don't know if he's going to be able to be anything more than like a I think he maxes out at like a 10 point uh, 40% for three a game type guy uh, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what they do guard play wise because the front court is very deep yeah I mean you definitely hit hit the nail on the head there there's not 
a ton of depth, proven depth in that backcourt for Ohio State. Obviously, losing Dwayne Washington hurts because he was a really big piece last year. And even C.J. Walker, even though he wasn't a shooter, he was a really steady defender and could make plays and added that experience factor. Now Jamari Wheeler, he's pretty much only a defender and a really good defender at that, but he doesn't bring much on the offensive side of the ball. Jimmy Sotos, he was he played a little bit last year. He can shoot the ball. He was pretty good at Bucknell, but you're not going to get a ton out of him. And Cedric Russell shot 40% from deep and averaged 17 for Louisiana last year. But, I, again, I'm with you. I don't think he's more than, like, a 10, 11-point-per-game guy here. He's going to make and hit a lot of threes, which will be big for this Ohio State team. But they don't have that game-changing guard. They really lack that this season. And unless Malachi Branham or uh, Michi Johnson develop into that as a freshman, I, I just feel like Ohio State's ceiling is limited because EJ Liddell and Kyle Young, Justice Stewing, they'll help win them a lot of games. But when it comes down to it and you're going to need some plays from a guard, they might not have that guy, which will cap their ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's, you know, reason, you know, I think they're going, Chris Holtman, I trust him as a coach. That's a big thing as to why I still like consider them probably a top 20 team going into next season. Uh, you know, I think Chris Holtman's certainly very good. I think, you know, with Lydell, you have like a, you know, someone you can rely on to be a, you know, just bell cow for them, just go out and score, you know, 18 points a night. Uh, Justin Suing, I think, is good. Like the front court overall is just good enough that it should take care of itself. And I think the team's going to defend pretty. I think they'll be improved defensively. They still don't have like elite shot blocking, but I think they're, they're still going to be solid on that end. Uh, it's just, I, like Jamari Wheeler isn't cutting it for me more than just being like a passer. Cedric Russell's like catch and shoot type of guy. I don't see a ton of creation from him. Uh, and then they're, they're still kind of like stuck playing three forwards all the time like if Lydell goes out and Suen goes out and Kyle Leung go out you know you're bringing in Seth Towns, Zed Key and Joey Brunk as your backup. Zed Key's good yeah Zed Key's good but like Seth Towns we don't know about him and Joey Brunk I I don't know yeah why is he on this team? He's probably not going to play he should more than when the walk-ons play. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think the big thing is just what do you get out of Malachi Branham and Michi Johnson? Because if they can be consistent scores, I mean, Ohio State they could be like a top ten team two seed, uh, but we haven't seen it yet, and that's like it's not like projecting Jane Ivy were like yeah the he had great games last year and we're expecting him to have more of those great games and be more consistent we just haven't seen it out of Michi Johnson Malachi Bram and that's the concern yeah I agree with you for sure uh any last thoughts on Ohio State mm, nope or Roberts still beat them so yeah never forget never forget uh Next up, we have Indiana. There's a close race between Ohio State, Indiana, and Maryland for this, but Indiana came in at number five on the rankings. I like the roster. 
Uh, I think Xavier Johnson's going to take over, be really good at the point guard spot. Parker Stewart can shoot the crap out of the ball. Miller Cop is a good uh, shooter. Uh, Tamar Bates is a high upside, one done potential freshman. Uh, you, Christian Lander was terrible last year, but maybe you get something out of him. Uh, and then, of course, Trace Jackson Davis, All American level forward. Uh, Race Thompson will start next to him. So I like the roster. Uh, going to be interesting to see how Mike Woodson develops, but I think Indiana should be in the NCAA tournament, which they didn't do in the Archie Miller era. Yeah, I think Mike Woodson's going to take this team and bring a lot more floor spacing and three-point shooting to this team, more of an NBA-style offense, which is probably one of the selling points as to why, you know, the Indiana hired him and why a lot of the players he has decided to come back, like Race Thompson, he was in the portal. Christian Lander, he was in the portal. Parker Stewart re-entered the portal. Trace Jackson Davis ended up staying and not going pro. So those are a lot of things that helps you when it comes to getting buy-in from the players, and they all bought in. So I, if the players believe in Mike Woodson, I believe in Mike Woodson. I think they'll be very good this season. Trace Jackson Davis is one of the best players in college basketball. Can he develop a three-point game? Because I feel like that's what is holding him back from being in the NBA right now. And then they didn't shoot the ball well at all last year in general. Only 32% Miller Kopp from Northwestern will help a lot with that. 6'7", great catch-and-shoot player and can create off the dribble a little bit. Uh, Trey Galloway, let's see if he can de- develop the season. Christian Lander created a lot of really good looks, but he airballed probably half of them. So let's see what he's able to do this year. Like, he's super explosive, but he just really struggled from outside last year. But there's a lot of talent there with Christian Lander. Like you said, Parker Stewart, a great shooter coming in from UT Martin. Tamar Bates could end up being one and done if things break right for him. But this Indiana team, I I don't see a way they're not in the NCAA tournament next season. This is a really good team on paper, and I think Mike Woodson will put them over the top to the next level that they've been falling short of the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this roster, I think, is just flat out the best roster that has – been here since the Tom Crean era. It, it, I don't even think it's very close. I think the t- pieces all fit together. Like Xavier Johnson, not an elite shooter, but that's okay because he's going to be a high level passer and he has Parker Stewart, uh, Tamar Bates or Miller Kraup on the other end who he can just throw to a corner and shoot a three. You have Trace Jackson Davis who, uh, just a one of the best post up big man. Uh, we've seen in college basketball, you know, in the past five years, he's very good. Race Thompson just kind of does all the glue guy stuff. Uh, I don't know if he's ever going to, you know, necessarily fill up the stat sheet. I guess he averaged nine points per game, but, uh, yeah, I think that's probably what you're going to get out of Race Thompson, but you don't really need Race Thompson to be anything more than that. Uh, if you do, your team is in trouble. And last year, of course, they kind of needed him to be a little bit more than that. He was not. Uh, but, I mean, I think on this team, Ray Thompson can be the fifth best player on the court at all times. And I think that's that's perfectly fine because that's where he excels best. So, I mean, with this Indiana team, they should be, a, you know, the roster should put this team into the top 25. It's just... Uh, what do we give some of these players like a Tamar Bates, like a Christian Lander, like a Parker Stewart? Uh, does, you know, Xavier Johnson make the transition smoothly? And 
if all those things come to fruition, uh, Indiana certainly has top 25 upside, has second weekend aspirations, uh, and who knows, maybe they go to the Final Four. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of a team that had super high expectations at the end of last season heading into this year is Maryland, who we have next up. Yeah, you want to start on that? Yeah, I mean, I was never as high as other people in Maryland. I was always a little lower, and I get why people love Maryland. I'm just not as big of a Fats Russell guy as a lot of people. He's very fun to watch, but he's never been a consistent three-point shooter. He's very good in the pick-and-roll game, but he's a good on-ball defender. But at the Big Ten level, he's really small. He's not a good shooter. And, you know, is he going to be able to draw the same amount of fouls he did at the A-10 level? I liked watching him at Rhode Island. He was electrifying to watch. But I just don't think if he if Fats Russell is taking near the same amount of shots he did at Maryland, there's a problem. I think Eric Ayala needs to be on the ball at most times. And then you have Hakeem Hart, Dante Scott. Those are two guys with size and shooting ability. Uh, Aaron Wiggins obviously left, which is a big blow. You add Cutis Waha from Georgetown, who was really good down the stretch last year and adds a post-presence they desperately lacked last year because they lost Jalen Smith in the year before. They lost Bruno Fernando, and they just didn't have that guy last year. Jalen Smith wasn't that guy. Chol Marial wasn't that guy. And now they have that guy with Cutis Wahab, who's a double-double throw every single night. James Graham, in his second freshman season, could develop into a good player, good size, and shooting. But I'm just, I, I you know, this Maryland team is solid. But it's not nearly as good as Maryland teams of past years, like two years ago, with Jalen Smith and Anthony Cowan, Aaron Wiggins, Eric Ayala. I think that team is so much better than this team, and I'm just I'm just not all the way there with this team. I think they're good, but I don't think they're more than like a round of 32 team. Yeah, I kind of feel similar way. I really like this team two through five. Like I think that Eric Ayala is a really good player uh, at you know the shooting guard spot. He's a you know very good shooter. Uh, you can count on him to be a consistent scorer. Dante Scott, Hakeem Hart, I think are good players. Hart can shoot a little bit. Uh, you know, Dante Scott is a better shooter than Hakeem Hart. So, I mean, both those players, though, they can shoot it. They're tough physical defensively. Uh, and I, I love the Kudas Wahab, uh, filling. I think, you know, and the underrated part is they bring in Daming, who, Sucked as a head basketball coach, but the one thing Damian always did do, uh, well at Wake Forest, he developed big men into being, uh, you know, very good big man. So uh, I think Kudus Wahab will become, you know, a high level big man. So I, I like this team two through four. I have my question marks with, uh, Fats Russell, but hey, if he can, Say, I am not going to take 20 shots a night. I'm just going to straight up try to set up Eric Ayala, set up Dante Scott, Hakeem Hart, Kudus Wahab. If he can do that, I, I can buy that in from the starting five perspective. Uh, the benches, question marks, Julian Reese, uh, 6'9", freshman, could be interesting. James Graham, we don't know what we're going to give him, but I mean, the bench is not deep at all. Uh, you know, so that that's a kind of a concern for at least me going into this season. Yeah, I keep an eye on Ian Martinez coming in from Utah. He was a top 100 recruit uh, as entering his Utah career. He had 18 points in the Pac-12 tournament loss against USC. Uh, he just didn't. He was up and down last year, but I think there's a lot of potential there with Ian Martinez. So I keep an eye on him. 
He's a good player that can play both sides of the ball very well, so he could end up being a very valuable player for this Maryland team. But I think it all comes down to what Fats Russell is going to be if he defers a little bit more on the offensive end and becomes more of a facilitator and playmaker, which he's very capable of and a very good playmaker at that, than just going and getting buckets. I think that that, that suits Maryland very well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the ceiling for this team is probably back in top 25, and I think the I think they'll still be an NCAA tournament level team. Like I think, yeah, I, I think so. They're kind of like the same team they were last year. If they're just they're not flashy, they might be a top twenty-five level team. They might sneak into the second round, but they they're just a boring team, kind of. Yeah, they're they're. They're going to be interesting to watch. I mean, last year they ended up going to the round of 32. I didn't see them go, beating UConn, but they did. And there was a point last year where they didn't even look like a tournament team, but they ended up getting hot and making the tournament. We could see a similar thing this year, but losing Aaron Wiggins really hurts this team. They could really use his presence. Absolutely. I think the certainly the ceiling would be a lot better that there, and they would have a little bit more depth, which uh, you're probably at that point bringing – Hakeem Hart off the bench. Mm-hmm. Which well, yeah, and, and and you had Xavier Green from Old Dominion, who they added with Aaron Wiggins' scholarship. Uh, he's not a great scorer, but he's a good defender, and that was kind of the point in the offseason where you're like, there wasn't a ton there. Like, it was probably Xavier Green or Keith Williams who ended up going to Western Kentucky, so there just wasn't a ton of options for Maryland. It's not like it was the start of the offseason. They knew Wiggins was gone. I think they knew it was the whole time it was 50-50 between if Wiggins was going to leave or stay, but they probably hoped he was going to stay and kept his scholarship open, and then they ended up with Xavier Green, who should be a fine player, but he's no Aaron Wiggins. Absolutely not. Uh, next up, we had a tie for seventh between Rutgers and Michigan State. Uh it will not be the last tie we have on here. We have a three-way tie going on a little bit later, so uh, stay tuned to that. But Rutgers, uh, they bring back uh, number two on our early season player of the year watch, Ron Harper Jr. Geo Baker is back, hopefully a little bit more healthy, hopefully playing a little bit more like his uh, junior year self. Uh, yeah, junior year self. Uh, they obviously they lose Jacob Young, uh, Montez Mathis, Miles Johnson, but that leaves room for Paul Mulcahy to step up. Caleb McConnell's been a solid player, and Cliff Umuarie, uh seems like one of the best breakout candidates out there. They also add in Andre Hyatt to add a little bit of wing depth as well. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see what they can get out of like Mawat Mog or. Uh, Jalen Miller, who I think probably next year will be their starting point guard. Uh, but yeah, this Rutgers team could be interesting to watch and, uh, we'll see if they can make it back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Cliff Amorier will have a big role on his hands. This is a guy that was a former top 50 recruit and he's going to have a big role with replacing Miles Johnson. They split minutes last year before Amorier got hurt. And then Johnson ended up playing more minutes. And there was a couple games there where Johnson got in foul trouble and they had to rely on like Dean Reber and Oscar Palmquist to play some minutes. And obviously they were missing Omorier. So I think he's going to be a very good player this season, maybe develop a little more of an offensive skill set with a really good defensive skill set. That'll be a 
big thing for this Rutgers team. Jacob Young was probably their most consistent player last year because Ron Harper Jr. looked like an All-American the first month and a half of the year. And then he suffered an injury that sidelined him for only one game, but then just never got back to that way he was before his injury. He's a lights-out shooter when going, but he just wasn't going the last few months of the year. Ron Harper Jr. could end up being an All-American this year if he stays healthy. And if he's consistent, Geo Baker is one of those guys, like his stats, his efficiency, he's kind of like Kamar Baldwin, uh, Butler a few years ago. Like you look at his percentages and they're not where you would think they are. Like Kamar Baldwin shot like 32% from deep his senior year at Butler. And Geo Baker, I don't think he's ever shot more than like 34% from deep, but he makes big shots. So you'll always think he's a lot more efficient than he is. And he makes big plays. He's a bucket getter. And Geo Baker is a very valuable player for this team. Rutgers, I think, could get back to the NCAA tournament next year. The depth isn't great. Uh, Andre Height, I think, would be a good piece coming in from LSU that helps that depth a little bit. But they're not, like I said, not super deep, but they have a really good starting unit that could propel them into the NCAA tournament for a second consecutive season. Maybe they'll win another game in the tournament like they did last year where they beat Clemson. Yeah, I mean, they're probably not going to get a team as bad as Clemson in the first round. Yeah, Clemson, I mean, they weren't good. They, they sucked. Worst team to get an at-large, to get a seven seed in NCAA tournament history. I mean, they were they were high on the fraud watch pretty early on. Yeah. Like, Rutger, no, no disrespect to Rutgers. Rutgers was playing terrible and had a off night and still beat Clemson. That's how bad Clemson yeah. was. Clemson just couldn't score. That's what it came down yeah. to. Yeah, and Rutgers scored a couple more baskets. So, but hey, an NCAA tournament win is an NCAA tournament win. Uh, it's marked down in the record books, and now we'll see if they can go and do it again. I think the task will be a little bit more harder. Uh, that they'll need Ron Harper Jr. to beat Geo Baker to be more consistent. Uh, I think Paul Mulcahy can. I think he'll be like a good third score. Uh, I think. You know, I liked what I saw of him when he was on the court. He seemed like he was kind of like always making good players. I think Caleb McConnell can, uh, he's like another player that, you know, I don't know if it shows necessarily like in the stat sheets or anything like that, but like it feels like when he's on the court, the team seems to be playing a little bit better. Uh, and Clifford Morier, uh, will need to take that step forward. So, uh, some things to like, the depth knots there, uh, like kind of similar with uh, Maryland, but uh, they can certainly make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, definitely agree. Steve Peichel's done a job that looked impossible to make Rutgers a really solid basketball program, and he's done a splendid job making them into a good program the, the past couple of years. Absolutely. Next up, we have tied for seventh, Michigan State. Uh, Kind of an interesting team. They uh, they bring in Tyson Walker from Northeastern. He's a very good player there. Uh, he will probably run the show at the point. They have Max Christie, a six six freshman who uh, might might legitimately be their leading scorer. I think Tyson Walker might do it, but uh, Max Christie certainly is an opportunity. They have Joey Hauser. They have Gabe Brown. Uh, AJ Hoggard's back for another year. Hopefully develops a little bit. Lee Hall can be a good four man. So I mean the the pieces are there. Uh, it's an interesting team. 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is Tom Izzo's just a great coach. They ended up getting into the tournament last year, very narrowly getting into the tournament in the first four. Uh, last year wasn't a very good team either. They just didn't have that point guard to replace Cassius Winston. You were hoping that Rocket Watts could be that guy, and he just wasn't. He's off to Mississippi State. Foster Lawyer's off to Davidson. And Tyson Walker is really that missing piece. I think he could be the guy that averages 12, 13 a game with four or five assists and can make plays on and off the ball if you need him to. Uh, A.J. Hogard will probably pick up a lot of minutes. He's a good defender, but didn't show much on the offensive end last year. Uh, Gabe Brown, athletic and can shoot the ball a good three and D piece. Joey Hauser really struggled last year from three. I'm, I'm curious to see what he ends up looking like this season because he's talented. He just didn't get it going last year. Malik Hall's a really good athlete. Julius Marble, I'd like to see him pick up a bit of a bigger role. Madi Sissoko, I think, could be a really good big man in this conference. He just has to find his minutes and carve out a role. Marcus Bingham, athletic, good defender, but, again, needs to find his role. There's a lot of players on this team. Uh, I almost said pieces on this team, but I I guess they are uh, pieces on the roster in a sense. You have, like, Julius Marble, Marcus Bingham, Malik Hall, who can play some five if you need him to potentially, and Sissoko. There's just a lot of interchangeable spots on the team, and there's no obvious player at that five spot like Xavier Tillman, Nick Ward. You don't have that guy, which I think is a big problem for this Michigan State team. Yeah. Uh, Jane Atkins could be interesting as a freshman. Uh, May Sissoko could develop. Uh, yeah, there, there's a... Lot here for Tom Izzo to kind of work with. I think they're the one thing you kind of see with Tom Izzo, especially like early in the season, he's experimenting. He's willing to lose a non-conference game here or there if it means uh, for the betterment of the team. Uh, you know, for this team, I, I think the thing that will kind of work will be a Tyson Walker, Max Christie. Uh, I, I think they have to start. I think Gabe Brown will probably start maybe at the three, Malik Hall at the four, Hauser at the five. But, I mean, there's... there's Joey a, Hauser, please never yeah. play the five. Please don't do that. Do you, could you imagine what Kofi Coburn would do to Joey Hauser inside? I mean, there's not a great option here. Like Play, play Bingham or Sissoko at the five. At least you're getting a defender. We'll play Sissoko. How about yeah, that? Don't do not play Joey Hauser. I mean, Kofi Coburn could end Joey Hauser's career. I thought John Morant already did that. I mean, it was close, but he, he maybe recovered a little bit. I mean, he made him transfer out of Marquette, so that is true. Um, yeah, there's just not a ton to love with Michigan State. Uh, Tom Izzo's a good coach. I will not doubt Tom Izzo that much, but uh, he's he's got his work cut out. He, I think it's going to be – I mean, I think this also is a team that come next year could be very good, like especially if Tyson Walker, Max Christie stay for another year, that's going to be big. A.J. Hogard, I mean, he did average six assists per 40 minutes, so if he can develop any sort of offensive game, that would be beneficial – Jane Atkins will kind of, or Aikens, I think it is. Uh, we'll see how he develops, but, uh, there, there's some pieces to like here. Uh, just going to be about Izzo kind of filling it in. Yeah. If Michigan State wants to get where they, if they get to where they want to be, Tyson Walker needs to be 
the go-to guard on this team, no question. Absolutely. Uh, next up here, we we have a three-way tie between Wisconsin, Penn State, and Nebraska. Uh, we're going to start with Wisconsin uh, just because of uh, they, they finished higher in the order. Brad Davison is back uh, to draw a bunch of charges and uh, do Brad Davison type things. Uh, Johnny Davis, I think, is the kind of exciting player we're both excited to watch. Uh, he's going to be fun to watch as a breakout candidate. They add in Chris Vogt, uh to come in and play the center. They have Tyler Wall. Uh, a lot of question marks. You know, can Chucky Hepburn uh, step in and be a contributor at the, one of the lead guard spots uh, going in? They have Lorraine Lorne Bowman. Uh, who had to, I think, redshirt last season, uh, dealt with something, but he's going to be in this season. Can he be a contributor? I think there's a lot of question marks with this roster, but uh, Wisconsin, at least on a year-in, year-out basis, uh, always seems to have at least some answers and is always, like, at least near the bubble. Yeah, one of the reasons to buy on on buy in on Wisconsin last year is because of how experienced they were, you know, with five seniors in the starting lineup, and they end up losing four of those seniors with Nate Reavers, Aleem Ford, Demetri Trice, and Micah Potter all going pro. Brad Davison is back for the extra year of eligibility, but the the obvious starters are Brad Davison, Chris Boat coming in from Cincinnati, the seven footer, Tyler Wall. And then Jonathan Davis, who is one of the breakout players in the conference. He's going to develop a three-point shot, a more improved three-point shot. He's a great shot creator. He's going to be a good piece for this Badgers team. But then who else are you starting? You can go Wall at the four, Boat at the five, Davis at the three, Davison at the one. Then you're starting one of Lauren Bowman, Jacoby Neath, who's coming in from Wake Forest, but was an okay role player there, and Chucky Hepburn, who's a freshman. So you're relying on two guys that haven't played at this level and a guy who has played at this level but wasn't anything special. I think that tells you everything you need to know about this Wisconsin team. The depth isn't great, and they're just not going to be very good this season. I think it's going to be a retooling year for Greg Gard for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think retooling's a kind of good way or a nice way to put it. But, yeah. It won't be terrible. Like, yeah. they're not going to be Minnesota. It's hard to beat Minnesota, but yeah, I would, here's what I would do. I'd probably play like a lot of Chucky Hepburn or Lorraine Bowman at the guard spot. I kind of develop them uh, next to Jonathan Davis and uh, yeah, Wisconsin. They, I think they'll be tough come Big Ten play. Like I think they'll probably finish around maybe a game or two under 500, but I mean, I don't think they fall off a cliff either. No, I mean, you have a really good player, Jonathan Davis, and obviously Brad Davison's experience. He could lead you to some wins. Uh, that duo's really good, but they didn't. I mean, Chris Vogt's okay. Tyler Wall's a really good defender. He improved his offensive game a lot as a sophomore, but that depth is just a big, big question mark for me. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we have tied for ninth, Penn State. Uh, this is an interesting roster. They bring back Miles Dredd. Uh, Myron Jones is obviously gone. Isaiah Brockington is gone. Steph Lundy is going to step in and be uh, probably play minutes at the four. They have John Harar who can uh, play minutes at the five. They bring in 
Jaheim Cornwell and Jalen Pickett. Uh, hopefully more of the freshman year Jalen Pickett was the, uh, not the past couple seasons. So it's going to be interesting to see this Penn State team. Uh, I think they, they're kind of going to be what they have been every year, but the year where they would have been a six seed, but the tournament got canceled. Yeah, Penn State's probably not going to be a tournament team this year, but I do like the roster. Jalen Pickett, 6'4 guard. He's not very, he's not overly athletic, but he has very good pace. He, he has a great feel for the game. He can post up and hit a shot, at least at the MAC level. He could post up down low and kind of create his own shots and uh, make a lot of plays. He fills up the stat sheet as a very good rebounder. I'm curious to see what he looks like at this kind of level. I think he'd be like an 11.4 rebound, four assist kind of guy, and that'll be very good for this Penn State team. Sam Sessoms is really good in the mid-range game. Jaheim Cornwall from Gardner-Webb, lights-out shooter. That's the thing about this Penn State team. They have a lot of shooting. I mean, pick it can shoot the ball a little bit. Dredd's a good shooter. Sam Sessons can hit some shots. Cornwall can shoot. Lundy is a really good stretch four. Uh, and then John Hara down low, he's going to be a double-double threat every night. Plays really hard. Okay defender, but he rebounds and can score inside. Soft touch at the basket. I think they'll be an okay team. They're not going to be a tournament team, but they'll they'll be all right. Hey, if Pat Chambers was coaching this team still, they'd be even they, worse. They, they would... They would uh, excel in the NIT and claim it is better than winning, you know, an NCAA tournament game. Because who who would want to win an NCAA tournament game? And yeah, of course, uh, yeah, the NIT is awesome. Yeah, that's the Pat Chambers special there. Yep. Um. Next up, we have Nebraska. Unless you have any last thoughts on no, no, I'm good on Penn State. Yeah, I I've. I've had my uh, rough fill of them. Nebraska, they have a lot of ta- like they have more talent than I think Penn State and Wisconsin do. I, mm-hmm. you know, what, we'll see where this goes. Like Alonzo Verge coming in, we'll see what he can be. Trey McGowan's uh, is solid. Kobe Webster is solid. Uh, Bryce McGowan's is a top twenty recruit, so that's going to be good. Uh, they they have. I mean, guard depth galore. Uh, Alonzo Verge, I question. You know, he, he's someone that uh, doesn't seem like a winning basketball player. I don't really get the feel out of that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this Nebraska team, it has talent this year. Like, un- the previous couple of years, it's been like, okay, this this team is just has no hope for the future. There's at least some hope for the future, and whether Fred Hoiberg can reel it in or not remains to be seen. But yeah, Nebraska they have they have talent this year. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of said the same thing on Twitter the other day about Nebraska, and like I it I feel like it always sounds bad when nobody that says it like you or I like when we say we're not sure if Alonzo Verge is a winning player. Like it probably sounds bad, and I'm sure he wants to win. I'm sure he's a team player, uh, but he just takes a ton of bad shots. He's going to score a lot of points, and he's going to make some tough shots. But when you're driving and three guys are contesting your shot and blocking it into the 18th row, you're just – that's that's not good. You can't do that. And he took a lot of really bad shots at Arizona State. I mean, he took some horrendous shots, and that cannot continue this year. I mean, that's a lot of, like, Teddy Allen vibe from last year. Like, he could average 15, 16 a game. 
He'll drop 31 night, but he's going to take some bad shots in the process. But when he gets hot, he's going to score a lot of points. But, I, again, we're not sure that translates to winning because I don't really think it does. And then Bryce McGowan's, he's really athletic. He's going to be a great piece. He could be a future lottery pick. His brother Trey McGowan's a really good table setter. He's a good player. Uh, but the biggest question for me outside of what Alonzo Verge is going to be at this level or at the uh, – on this Nebraska team is what's going to happen down low because some of the best players probably I would say the top five best players top four at least best players eh, okay maybe not because Jaden Ivey's gonna be really good so like four of the five best players in the conference are big men and then at Nebraska you have Eduardo Andre who didn't do a ton as a freshman so he's stepping in this year what can he do as a sophomore and then you have Wilhelm Breedenbach as a as a freshman and Oleg Coach Kojanets coming in as a freshman also. So you don't have an established five-man that's able to defend Kofi Coburn, Trace Jackson Davis, Travion Williams, or Hunter Dickinson. And I can already tell that's going to wind up being an issue for this Nebraska team. They have nobody down low that's proven that can defend those guys. And if they get in foul trouble, they don't really have the depth either. So that's going to wind up being a problem that I'd keep an eye on for this Nebraska team this year. They're going to be able to score the ball, but defensively, I I could see some problems arising. Yeah, I think – Defense, uh, team chemistry, those are kind of the two, you know, areas of concern for this Nebraska team, but I think they're going to put up numbers offensively. Uh, you'll probably be the best offensively that they've been in quite a while. Uh, and defensively, can they defend on the perimeter, especially? And, you know, inside is going to be the big key. Uh, you mentioned with all that front court depth. You know, when you're going against Kofi Coburn, Hunter Dickinson, Travion Williams, EJ Lydell, Trace Jackson Davis, Kudis Wahab, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You're going to have your work cut out, uh, for whether it's like Lat Maiden or, uh, Bradenbach or whoever it is, they're going to have their work cut out for them. Yeah, Lot, Lot Mayan's a good player. He's got size and can shoot the ball, but, I can't see him consistently defending those guys either. And one name I didn't mention is Kaisi Tomenega coming in from Ranger Community College. He's small, but he can absolutely light it up from outside. He's a name to watch. He he will be one of the best shooters in the Big Ten this year. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we have Iowa. Jordan Bohan decided to return for another year. Uh, set up some fireworks as, I think, like the first NIL player. Uh, mm-hmm. the NIL era. Uh, Keegan Murray is going to be kind of a breakout candidate. They have the McCaffreys. Connor McCaffrey can shoot a little bit. Patrick they don't McCaffrey. have Christian, though. They don't have Christian McCaffrey. Uh, not going to help their fantasy teams, but... He's not helping anybody's fantasy team right now. Oh, that that's He's right. Hurt. It's hurt. Uh, so, Patrick McCaffrey, uh, he... He'll be probably playing minutes at the five next to Keegan Murray, who is, I think, the player to watch for this team. That's that Philip Rebrecca, who can uh, shoot a little bit. They have Joe Toussaint, uh, who is interesting player, maybe a little bit better shooter or defender than what we've seen in the past. Uh, Tony Perkins, I think, is probably a little bit better defender than what we've seen in the past. Aaron Uless. Uh, is interesting. So, I mean, there's some pieces with this Iowa team. Uh, 
I think once again the defense is going to be an issue. The offense is not going to be an issue. No, no. Uh, you know, I, offensively they won't be as good either. And Keegan Murray really helped that defense last year. He's a great defender, good athlete. He can shoot the ball. He's going to be a future first-round pick probably. I'm shocked he didn't test the waters this offseason. But you just lose so much from last year's team. Joe Wieskamp, Jack Nungy, Luca Garza, obviously, C.J. Frederick. And they just didn't add much from the portal. They added Philip Rabracha, who's a good player in North Dakota, one of the worst teams in the Summit League. He's a good pick-and-pop player that has some solid mid-range game. But besides that, you're not getting a ton uh, there. And they just didn't add anything from the transfer portal besides him. Like, you could have added some solid pieces from the portal. They just didn't. So I think that ends up hurting this team quite a bit. Bohannon is probably going to be their leading scorer. But, like, they're going to be, like, not as good offensively, and they're still going to be a pretty bad defensive team. I can't see them being a, even near a tournament bid this season. They're just not that good. Yeah. And here's the kind of thing, like, this: Iowa is always good at three-point shooting. They're – now, Jordan Bohannon is back. He shot 39% from three last season. Do you want to guess how many players that attempted over 10 threes a game are back that shot over 3%? Um – I'm going to say one. You're you're correct. Uh, Patrick McCaffrey, who shot 30%. Okay. 30. So, I mean, if we change the numbers to 31%, which is still, like, I'd, I'd say 33% is what you would want. Everyone that is back can't shoot better than 31% or 33%, which I think is about average. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's some shooting concerns with this team. I mean, I, I still think Fran McCaffrey's going to, you know, orchestrate this offense to get the most out of it. The defense is always going to be poor with this Iowa team. But, hey, they I, I don't think they're in the Northwestern or Minnesota tier either. No, not quite. But, yeah, they're, they're not too far ahead. Yeah. I think that... I'll say this, I think they're closer to being ninth in this league than they are to being where Northwestern and Minnesota are. Yeah, I mean, eh, we're at this point in the conference. It's None of them are good. Yeah. Uh, next up, Northwestern. Uh, pretty clearly 13. They were ranked last year. They were ranked. Uh, they bring they back. They stopped winning. Yeah, they bring back Boo Booey and Chase Odish, uh, so a decent front court. They also have Pete Nance, uh, Robbie Barron up front. They have Ty Berry, Ryan Young, Ryan Greer. Uh, you know, so interesting pieces uh, at the very least. Uh, they do lose Miller Cop to Indiana, so I mean Northwestern. I mean, they're better than Minnesota. Yeah, they had Elijah Williams from Fairleigh Dickinson, Casey Simmons, Brooks Barnheiser, and Julian Roper as freshmen. This team should be a pretty good shooting-wise. Adij, Bowie, Barry, they can all shoot the ball. Nance can stretch the floor. Same with uh, Robbie Barron. So they'll be able to shoot the ball a little bit. Defensively, they're probably not going to be very good, and they're going to continue being near the bottom of the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Minnesota. Jamison Battle is on this roster. Yep, and that's all. That, that's all we need to know. 
I mean, this team's Eric terrible. Corey's back for his uh, redshirt, redshirt, 